All right, three, two, one, and hey, it's Cam. Welcome back to another ep of This Might Be Helpful, and I think that this one will be, because today we are joined by the incredible Tim Timberlake to provide us with some some words of wisdom, some guidance, some you know very tangible deliveries of the spoken word that just make you feel better, make you feel stronger, make you feel empowered. So, Tim, thank you for being here. I, I've been really looking forward to speaking with you. And can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, it's an honor, Cam, and, and super humbled, man, to be on the podcast and and even more honored, man, to talk and really go on a journey of words today to help listeners understand uh, what belongs to them. And, uh, you know, I have the opportunity and... Um, the you know assignment here in this life to just help people discover uh the hope that is already seated in the uh, soul of their hearts and so i'm excited about our conversation today man the hope that is already seated within the soul of their hearts because it, i think that even even the concept of hope and the word hope it's you know like every word it has individualized perceptions and definitions about what it is but what is it what is it to you uh hope is uh to me defined as the ability to see beyond reality into uh what is possible and so whenever i have my hope anchored in something it's looking beyond what i uh, currently see and really putting my anticipation in what's possible and, and, you know, when you really think about it, um, hope and vision uh, run hand in hand because sight is the ability to see, but vision is the ability to see what's possible. And uh, hope plays a big part in that. Oh, it sure does. And it's especially, I think, I mean, it's always relevant, right? But we go through these uh, inflection points as as a species mm -hmm. and right now, we are, you know, in this age of information, age of possibility, you can learn anything, you can apply anything, but there's also this, uh, the side effect of this paradox of choice. There's so many mm -hmm. directions to go and so many things we can be doing. How do we turn that, that vision into something really tangible, something that can help perpetuate our lives forward when we're surrounded by people that only have sight? Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, a lot of times we, we don't even know the blind spots that we have. We all have blind spots and the danger of blind spots is blind spots allow you to look, but they don't allow you to see. So we all need someone with a sidewalk perspective in our lives that can tell us uh, to look out for the things that we can't see and to help us navigate this journey called life uh, because uh, we don't know uh everything and we need people in our life that are a little further along uh, than us whether it's in wisdom whether it's in age whether it's in advice whether it's an experience that can help us see the areas that we can't see within our own ability or own power it it is a gift uh, when somebody can help you to pour awareness into the blind spots of your own thinking like pour awareness and the light of awareness into the shadows. Like when you're exposed to a you know a blind spot in your own thinking, in your own 
you know, beliefs, when you haven't challenged something that you believe in order to understand it better, because the world mm-hmm. is going to challenge your beliefs for you. It will. Absolutely. And it's like when you haven't challenged those yourself, just by, by thinking critically about what it is that you believe, why it is that you believe it, where it is that that belief is taking you, then it's like the framework of that belief is is more built on uh, an emotional framework, which is, you know, you need that within your belief. But if that's all that's there, then we don't have an ability to um, you kind of fall back on it and apply it tangibly when the belief is challenged, right? It's just emotion flares to the surface. And that's when you get people that are that are volatile when they're challenged. Yeah. They can't they can't yeah. end it being challenged yeah and and what i've learned and just over you know walking with people and helping people navigate the various seasons of life any area in my life that goes unchallenged is an area of my life that goes unchanged and and so anything that i shy away from challenging uh is an area of my life that stays the same the danger in that is that I miss an opportunity to grow. And so things around me are going to change whether I want them to or not. And so change is inevitable, but growth is intentional. And whatever I challenge has the ability to now not only change, but has the ability to grow. And as we grow, we develop, we mature, uh, we get a lot closer to who we're supposed to be, and it puts distance into who we used to be. And that's a really a key point. Um, you know, how much of moving forwards is, you know, figuring out the past, how it happened, how things could have gone better, what we could have done versus being where your feet are and taking yeah. the steps. Like there's there's an element to healing, of course, which is mm-hmm. being to reflect on the past and and send forgiveness where it needs to be sent, um, send love where it needs to be sent. But there comes a point where that that rumination on the past is it's it's done. It's dusted. There's nothing that can be yeah. changed about it. We can look at the story differently. We can look at it in a more positive light, which is that reframing of perspective. And then you know the future as well. That that doesn't exist and it won't exist until it happens right now. So by process of elimination right now has the most potential for happiness, has the most potential for yeah. intentional growth. That's so good. So good. And and when I'm talking to or counseling people, Cam, the thing that I try to help them discover uh, in this process of growth, number one, the trauma that you've encountered, the trauma that you've endured, is that still a wound or is it now a scar? If it's a scar, you can help other people uh, through it because you have something to now point back to. If it is still a wound, you have to get healthy. You have to get whole so that when it becomes a scar, you can help other people avoid being scarred by the trauma that scarred you. And so uh, scars are proof that what tried to kill us did not succeed. It gives us something to look back at as a marker, as a roadmap, every scar, every single scar that I have on my body, there's a story associated and attached to it that I remember. And it's proof to me that whatever wounded me did not succeed. And so I think we have to stay put long enough. We have to keep people around us 
that can help us navigate these wounds that we may be living with so that we don't bleed out on other people through emotion. And it's nothing wrong with emotions. We just can't allow our emotions to guide us. We have to allow uh, a rational thinking to be at the forefront of the decisions that we make when we're in the process of healing. Now, how do you, you know, strike that balance between tuning into that, um, the intuition that that emotional guidance system as, as a mm-hmm. way to kind of uh, determine whether something feels right versus you know the the deliberation of our thought processes like i i can't remember who said this but um they said that the ego uses words but but your intuition uses energy but you still need that balance because you you can't uh inject that kind of duality we are we yeah. are we are thinking creatures that feel, we are feeling creatures that think, how do we merge the two? And is a lot of our suffering coming from the um, the juxtaposition or the contrast between what we're thinking and what we're feeling? And we're trying to think in a certain direction, but our feelings are pulling us the other way. How can we like merge those, those two? That's such a great question. I think um, the easiest way for us to do it is to focus on what's true and not on what we feel. Right. Because what we feel can oftentimes lead us away from what is actually truth. And so, uh, you know, I like to utilize this example. If I was to tell you, Cam, go to the mirror and you put your nose on it. You wouldn't be able to see the details of your face because you're standing too close to it. You're feeling the mirror. But if I was to say, okay, take two steps back you would now have a perspective of how you look, a perspective of what you have on, and it's actually true. It's not what you feel. And so when we focus on truth and not what we feel, it allows us to put distance uh, between the things that are temporary and the things uh, that could teach us um, something pivotal and and foundational uh, in those moments. Mm, and the things that are temporary and the things that are eternal as well. Um, absolutely. A- absolutely. And, and you know, one of the dangers that um, sometimes we fall ourselves, find ourselves falling into, we make permanent decisions based off of temporary feelings. Mm. And so we have to rewind and kind of put, like I say, some distance between us and what we feel and allow truth to be infused so that we could have clarity of perspective. Because the reality is, it's not what happens to us uh, that causes uh, the longstanding permanent pain. It's how we focus on what happens to us that causes the longstanding permanent pain. And something that was meant to hurt us one time can hurt us a lifetime if we continue to go back to it and pull the scab off a scar that's trying to become a wound, excuse me, a wound that's becoming a scar. And so I I think for us, you know, another thing that's practical and applicable, we have to keep people around us uh, that aren't impressed by what we do. Mm -hmm. People that want us to win, people that that want to see us succeed beyond our feelings, that can speak truth into our lives, uh, that uh, don't love us for what we do, but love us just for who we are. And those are the type of people that are on this journey with us, not for a season, but for seasons. 
that can help guide us. And that that comes back to you know sight versus vision, right? Because because yeah, you have um, you know, people that you love. You don't love them because of what they do. You love them because of what they are, their being, and you have a vision for what they could be, what they can be, what they are that is struggling to get to the surface because it's just trapped in, 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 in suffering and justifications and excuses and it, almost like an over-evaluation of their own performance. It's like, no, stop over-evaluating your own performance. Why are you still having this conversation? It's because you haven't acted, you haven't done the thing. You're, you're, how you feel is always dictating what you do. And as long as that is true, you will not be able to create a future that isn't what you're living in right now. That's so, so true. You know, uh, one of the strongest things in the world is a habit. And if we are used to rehearsing pain, uh, then it never gives us the opportunity to really heal uh, the way we could. And so I, I like to say this, Kim, every single day we have to plan our victories because our defeats will plan themselves. Oh. And so we need reminders throughout the day of the things that we have overcome, the things that we have achieved, the things that we have uh, triumphed over. And I believe triumph is 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 simple. I, I believe triumph is a little oomph after you try. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe once we take moments to really celebrate and be intentional with celebrating the things that we have uh, accomplished, achieved, then I believe it gives us the insight, the energy, and the ability to take on the areas in our lives that seem daunting or defeating. Uh, But if there is no priority of scheduling those celebrations, then defeats will automatically schedule themselves. Mm. And because our brains have this natural tendency towards towards negativity right like there mm-hmm. our survival we're supposed to be thinking about the negatives because that's what kept us alive it's what helped make sure that we weren't just like dragged into the night by some kind of you know saber-toothed tiger we have to think yeah. about our brains want to think about those negatives but we do not have to and yep. like, this comes back to that you know how much of moving forwards is figuring out what you are and why you are versus just adding more to the picture, adding more to the story, adding more to the narrative, because you're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to have intrusive thoughts. You're going to have these flare-ups from the past that want to bring you back there. But it's up to us to balance that out with those with those personal victories. And those personal victories precede all public victories. The hardest challenge is the one that we have to do to overcome ourselves. Yeah, and I... I tell myself whenever I find myself on the tail end of something traumatic or if there's something that I'm wrestling with or, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions that we have is that struggle is bad. And this is what I believe. I believe struggle is the proof that you have not been overtaken by what's trying to overtake or overwhelm you. The fact that you are struggling with it is an indication that you're still fighting. The moment you surrender to it is the moment that there's no longer struggle in the picture. And so whenever I'm struggling with something, I tell myself three things and I have them written down. I'm going to read them to you. The first one is this. The trauma is not my fault. 
The second thing is the trauma is not my identity. And the third thing is the trauma is not my future. And so when I remind myself of those three truths, it empowers me to carry out my day or to carry out the task or to carry out the assignment, even in the face of adversity, even when I don't feel like it, it's a friendly reminder to me that I have overcome what tried to overcome me. And although it happened in my past, it is not my present and it won't be in my future. Mm. That's such a powerful string of words to, to call your energy back to where your feet are. It's, it's mm-hmm. not what I did. It's not who I am. It's not what I'll be. I am what I am right now. That's it. And whenever we find ourselves um, living in the future or in the regrets of our past, we miss out on an opportunity to squeeze greatness out of this moment that we have right here, right now. And so for for the listeners here, uh, whenever you're thinking about tomorrow, you're thinking about tomorrow right now. Whenever you're thinking about yesterday, you're thinking about yesterday right now. And so why not be intentional about squeezing the greatness out of the moment you have right here, right now? Be hyper aware, be hyper present of what is in front of you, what is inside of you, what's around you so that you could get the most out of today. You know, I say yesterday is in the in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. Today has been birthed, ready for us to experience the greatness that it holds. But we miss out on that opportunity when we don't think about the intentionality and the blessing of this current moment we have. How much of our lives, really, unless we're being intentional about that, how much of our lives is spent where we are? Yeah, if we're not intentional about it, it's very few moments in our life that we spend where we are, where we calm our minds, where we settle our spirits, where we bring uh, some type of reset to our souls, because society, culture, humanity is so used to, uh, I have to do more, I have to strive, I have to keep on running, 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 running. And we never give our opportunity and we never give ourselves an opportunity to rest. And when I say rest, I don't mean sleep. When I say rest, I mean giving your mind an opportunity to be present in this moment. And, uh, you know, when you think each minute is a blessing and when we are intentional about these minutes, these minutes become great moments. And uh, we won't remember all of the things that we've done and accomplished in this life, but we will recall and we will remember the incredible moments that we made with the people that matters most to us. So why not spend the majority of our time making moments instead of wishing that you had? If you don't make them, your memories will just become a series of what ifs. Uh, what if I had done this? What if I had spoken to that person? What if I had had that uncomfortable conversation and repaired that relationship? What That's if? It. If you have a what if, turn that question into an action and find out for yourself. Absolutely. You know, oftentimes people dream about the life that they wish they had. They hope for the life that they wish they had. And they think five, 10, 15 years from now, this is where I hope to be. 
And it's nothing wrong with setting goals. It's nothing wrong with aspirations. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. But I can always tell where a person will be in their future by the practical steps they are implementing today. And so if there is a expectation for any type of life beyond where we currently are, there has to be preparation because expectation without preparation is a pipe dream. And, and the best way for me to explain it uh, is like this, Cam. When me and my wife, we found out that uh, she was pregnant, uh, no one knew it. No one could tell. We had got confirmation from the doctor. And so with the confirmation or the expectation that we had, we started to make preparations. We started to look at cribs. We started to look at car seats. We started to look at strollers. We started to look at what we were going to put in his room. And we started to make the necessary preparations because we had an expectation. If he had arrived and we did not prepare, it would have put him in an environment that would not have been suitable for him to be comfortable. And anytime we have an expectation and we don't prepare for it, we enter into a new season, but we carry the bricks from our old home and the old season into the new season and we build the same house. And so I just want to encourage those that are listening where there is expectation, make sure you set proper preparation in place so that you can actually achieve the things that you dream of, that you have in your heart to achieve, that that you have in your mind uh, that you can do. I'm telling you, you can do it if you prepare for it. You have to apply your your hope in action. You need to embalm mm-hmm. that expectation and turn it into something that's explicit, not implicit, because yeah. implicit Nobody can fulfill it for you, and you're not going to be able to fulfill it yourself because the conditions haven't been built that allow that expectation to come to fruition. Whereas if you are are clear about it, at least as clear as you can be, and you start to act in accordance with that expectation, with that standard for how you want your life to go, then you're going to see that manifest in a far more tangible way, in a way where you can't control it, but you can shift the trajectory to be more in line with what it is that you want. And through that process, what you manifest, you you end up manifesting something that is the same, might not look the same, but the energy is there. All right. Like it, we, we manifest the big house and the, 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 the pretty street and the good job, whatever it might be. But all of that is an energy that we're kind of projecting into this, this visual idea of the future but what we're really doing is we're feeling something and allows us to step into that feeling, embody it in a way that not only does it impact and touch our own lives, but it touches the lives of the people around us. People that can apply their values in action are the people that have that kind of perpetual growth mindset. Yeah. And when you really think about it, we don't get what we want in life. We get what we prepare for. and you know, any hope, any expectation, any anticipation that is not paired with preparation, it stays a pipe dream. It stays in our mind. It never becomes our reality. Um, but we do have the ability to not only dream, but apply the dream to principles, to perspective, to uh, preparation, to see those things 
uh, turn into something far greater than we ever thought or imagined. How much of of preparation do you think is action? Because right now, because of this, you know, this massive accessibility to information we have, I think that one of the side effects of that is that people think they need all of the information in order to start. And they look at all the gathering that information as as preparation. Um, but because the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn, it ends up kind of trapping people because they can't move past that that information and preparation stage into the action stage. But how much of preparation is action and learning by doing? Yeah, I think one of the downfalls of society is that we are too informed and we don't act on the information we already have. And so what we do is we become information hoarders without ever activating or implementing uh, what we already know. And so beyond information, there has to be revelation. And what revelation is, is it's information that has been revealed to me. And any time that I have information or anytime anyone has information, uh, that's not applied, information can become a weapon to destiny. Um, and so we have to move beyond the information stage, put action to it, make it revelation, make it knowledge, uh, uh, make it wisdom. And so when you think about what wisdom is, wisdom is knowledge and information applied. And so I believe we don't need to consume more information we just need wisdom for the information that we already have consumed. And when we do that, it, it helps us to really um, put some applicable and projectable goals in place that go beyond us reading what's on our phone or our laptops or even what's in books or in newspapers and allows us to inscribe on the tablets of our hearts what's possible for us because we believe. Oh, I love that. So wisdom is not in knowing what to do, it's in doing what you know. That's it. And and equally as important, knowing when to do it. And so if I know the right thing, but it's still the wrong time, I still wind up at the wrong uh, destination. Wisdom is understanding what to do and when to do it. Uh, because anything that I have, any season that I have, any idea that I have that arrives too early always arrives too small, mm. right? It arrives prematurely. If I enter into a season of my life that I am not prepared for, that has not uh, been, um, I have not matured enough to step into, then I always arrive into that season too small. And what happens? I end up having to go back to redo things over and over again until I learn the lessons in life that need to be taught to me for me to stay in the season and retain what it is that I have learned. And so we're never blessed by what we get only. We are blessed by what we retain. And so if I get a million dollars and I lose a million dollars, that means nothing to me. <laughs> but if I learn how to retain it, then that changes my perspective and my outlook for the rest of my life. Now, when when you go through life and you continue to translate that that information into implementation and it becomes personally relevant and it turns from a 
something you are aware of, knowledge, something memorized into something uh, understood because it's been made mm -hmm. relevant. Is that something that, you know, through the process of gathering information, uh, you encounter scenarios where that little piece of information now flares up and you can actually apply it? Is it a, mm -hmm. an organic process that occurs or is it a blend between organic and really proactive? Like, because wisdom isn't something that you can force, right? But it is still something that you need to be proactive in developing because you need to be proactive in developing yourself. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's both and. You know, wisdom is learned one of two ways. Uh, by personal experience or by the experience of others. And so whenever we read something, whenever we learn, whenever we gather information, we are reading the experience of other people. Uh, whenever we walk out something or we experience pain or maybe blessings or maybe benefits, uh, then that experience becomes ours for us to teach to other people. That is wisdom. And so we have a choice whether we get wisdom through other people's experiences or whether we get wisdom through our experiences. And so um, I got very wise with the stove. Uh, when my parents told me not to touch the eye of it because I experienced getting burned. And from there, I was able to give wisdom to my younger siblings as to why they should not touch it uh, because I had experienced it. And so I think in life, we have uh, the opportunity to choose whether we want to get burned or whether we want to learn from the wisdom of other people's experiences and apply that to our lives. Mm, and because it's inevitable, you are going to experience your own hurt and your own struggle yep. and your own mistakes and mm -hmm. your own wisdom that is pulled from those situations. Because what is the, the trade off of suffering, if not wisdom, right? But by yep. listening and engaging and thinking deeply about the wisdom that is being provided by others, we at least get to build more of a foundation so that when we do encounter our own struggles, we have this foundation this bank to draw from that allows us to uh, more cohesively flow through our own discomfort. Um, and it makes me think, I was just want to go back to, to, to struggle again, um, because I think, I think it's really important that, that people can come to embrace the struggle because it's, yeah. we're in a comfort crisis right now where even just the mildest discomfort is seen as something that is unbearable and so we're always filling that that void that exists in pleasure's absence with more pleasure and that it's not about the pleasure anymore it's just about alleviating that pain you know where the yeah. low so that the pleasure only barely brings us up to the baseline rather than stacking on top of it and you know, you, you talked about you know surrender versus versus struggle but there's also this element of surrendering to the struggle like giving yourself Absolutely. locking eyes with it and saying i am yours you are mine let's go deep together yeah i think um you know pain produces productivity pain produces fruit and i believe that um we can learn so much in seasons of struggle and pain if we allow it to teach us. Um, and so our greatness is hidden in our comfort. 
Our greatness is hidden in the cocoon of our comfort. And when you look at um, people that are successful, no matter what sphere they operate in, whether they are C-suite executives or whether they are professional athletes, there is something that they've implemented in their life that has allowed them to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and so whenever we want to get in physical shape, we work out, we put our body in and around pain. Whenever we are lifting weights, it's not comfortable. There's tearing and shredding of the muscles so that those muscles can heal stronger and bigger than before. And if we are involved and put ourselves in environments where we are physically uh, putting ourselves in intentional pain to get stronger, I think it's uh, pretty insane for us to believe that our mind, our soul, our spirit can grow without it getting stronger under the weight of pain. And so the weight of pain can produce fruit if we allow it to. And I have this personal motto, no pain is going to leave my life without it producing fruit in it. And I've been through a lot of pain. I've endured a lot of pain, but each moment of pain has taught me something. Each moment of pain, as a matter of fact, has taught me more than the great, happy, joyful moments because it's in pain that I really discovered what I was capable of enduring, who I really was, the teachings, the, the practices, the wisdom that I had placed on the inside of me when I was under pain, those things came out of me. And you never know what's inside of you until you're placed in a squeeze. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer, Cam, that if we don't understand the benefit of pain, then we'll spend the rest of our lives avoiding it. And if we try to avoid it, we never get stronger. So, Tim, would you say that that path of least resistance is actually straight towards the pain, straight towards the discomfort? Because that path of least resistance really is going through the resistance because by avoiding it, we create a life of resistance rather than being able to decide what kind of resistance we take on and understand, know that we will grow from it because everything is that combination between what we do, what happens, and what we think about what we do and what happens. Yeah, I, I you know, it's it's bizarre. It doesn't make rational sense for us to see um, difficulty, to see even adversaries, to see walls and say, you know what? I want to challenge those things. I want to take those things head on. I, I want to conquer those things. It, it doesn't make rational sense for us to do that because we are uh, creatures of comfort. We have surrounded ourselves in environments of comfort, uh, of things that we want. But if we always get what we want, we sacrifice the ability to get what we need. And we need to be strengthened. We need to get stronger. We need to understand 
what it is to endure. We can never say that we are conquerors. We can never say that we are victorious. We can never say that we are triumphant unless we have overcome something in battle, something in warfare, something in a fight. We like the belt. We like the terminology. We like the title, but we don't like the test that it takes to get it. And, uh, you know, where, where, where I stay, um, here in Jacksonville, Florida, I see tons of people that walk around with Jacksonville Jaguars jerseys on. But this is what I've learned, Kim. Just because they have a jersey on doesn't mean that they are a part of the team. And just because people want something doesn't mean that they're willing to put in the work to achieve it. The only way that we can achieve greatness in this life is to take pain head on overcome it, endure it, go through what I call long suffering because it refines us, it makes us better, it makes us stronger, it actually pushes us into who we are supposed to become. Now, that's lit a fire in me. I, I feel good hearing that. But I I have I have this mindset, right? Like I have this um this this resonates deeply, but how how do we send that to the people that they don't know where to start? They don't know where to go. Yeah. Like, is it start, is it start with, start with hope? Um, like I, I see you, you discuss this idea of um, being an architect of hope. And I, and I love mm-hmm. that. Because I think about being an architect of your own, you know, psyche and your own life and being able to, to design yourself. And part of that design is, shifting that perspective to one that really embraces and and accepts and wants what it needs and what it needs is that struggle but when every bit of that is is uncomfortable how do you get people to start yeah i i think uh, we have to continually search out and find hope we never have to search out and find pain pain always finds us and so we need to Uh, understand um, what we are capable of enduring when we are in seasons of pain or in seasons of turmoil, when we're in seasons of chaos, we have to search out that hope. We have to search out, uh, you know, people that can help us rebuild the hope that pain is trying to tear down. Um, And so I, I think we start Um, really by being intentional with our time and making sure that uh, not only what we feed this physical body is nourishing us, but what we're feeding our mind is nourishing us. What we're feeding our soul is nourishing us. What we're feeding our spirit is nourishing us because the investment of what we feed ourselves is what we will withdraw when we have a need. And so just as we are focused on uh, and hyper-focused on the quality of water that we drink, the quality of food that we drink, we also have to uh, be aware of the content that we allow our minds to consume because what we put in it will come out of it when we need it to. Is that, that's a matter of, of focus, right? Like, cause where yeah. you Attention goes, everything else follows. Everything else flows into everything. 
everything else. It, you know, it's so vital that we protect our minds and we protect what we allow to go into it. And uh, when I was a little kid, my father would teach me how to wrestle. And he would tell me that if you take down the head, the body will soon follow. If our minds are constantly in chaos, if our minds are constantly in turmoil, if our minds are constantly being taken down per se, then our body soon follows because our bodies, our lives always goes in the direction of our strongest thought. And so to, to set that foundation of that strongest thought, it, hope, right? Like vision. Like how I feel yeah. now does not dictate my future. How I feel so now true. doesn't have to dictate what I do and how I act. And by not allowing how I feel to dictate always what I do, how I feel has less power over me, has less power over the people around me, and it has less power over my future. I can't control how I feel, but I can control how I respond to how I feel. And maybe how I respond today is just getting out of bed and brushing my teeth. Absolutely. And, and there may be some people listening that says, well, how do I find hope? How do I find hope? I feel hopeless. And I would say there's always something that we can be grateful for. The fact that you woke up to experience what you have uh, defined as hopeless in and of itself means that you still have an opportunity to find gratitude in that day. And so anything that we can find, whether it's the sun, even if it's raining, understanding that that rain is nourishing uh, the earth and that rain is producing something that's life-giving to me, finding something to be grateful for helps us understand how to find hope. And so the grateful cannot fail but the ungrateful will never succeed. And so gratitude helps us. Gratitude to me is like the seed of hope. Whenever we find ourselves grateful, uh, it gives opportunity for hope to shine bright in our lives. Because gratitude isn't, it isn't deluding yourself into thinking something's better than it is. It's finding what is always there and realizing it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's finding what you already have. And, and another word for it is being content. Content is I am satisfied where I am until I move into my next. And so often we're looking to the left or we're looking to the right at what everyone else has, what everyone else is doing, that we forget to put focus on the blessings that we already have, the things that we have worked hard for that are already in our possession. And uh, so often we spend so much of our time wishing and wanting for someone else's life that we forget to be grateful for the life that we have. And uh, when we really hone in on that idea, when we really hone in on that thought, is it possible that we're complaining about things today that we prayed for and hoped for and anticipated five, 10 years ago? You know, and when we think about that, that's a humbling thought. There was a time when everything you have right now was everything you ever wanted. Yep. Yep. It's so true. You got, you have, you have to remind yourself of that and you have to, 
you know, bring yourself back to, to embodying that, that energy and embodying that, that hope. And, you know, especially with, with gratitude, I think that when you are hopeless, when you are coming from that place of, you don't know where to look for, for inspiration, for a reason why things could be better for a reason, for things to be grateful for, there are people grateful for you. Yeah. Think about them. Think Absolutely. about your gratitude for you. Because if you can't send it out, know that it's going towards you. And then you can at least receive it. That's so true. We, we have someone or something in our life that's grateful for us. Whether it's a pet, whether it's a cat, whether it's a dog, whether it's an iguana, something or someone in your life is grateful for you. And if you have not heard it today, I'm grateful for you. You know, those that are listening, we are grateful for you. You need to understand that you did not stumble upon this podcast. You did not come here by mistake. This was intentional by design. And maybe someone listening needs to hear that. I'm grateful for you. You have this amazing opportunity to find hope in now, to sow seeds of expectation and prepare for what this life is bringing forth to you. I'm crying, man. That was, that was beautiful. I, you know, everybody needs to hear that. Everybody does. Not enough people do. And for those of you listening, if, if you needed to hear that and it felt good to hear that, then, then pay it forward. You know, tell somebody else in your life that you love them, that you're grateful for them, that you wouldn't be who you are, where you're at, where you're going without them in your life. There, it's, a, it's an infinite supply of gratitude that once we tap into that well, then there's, there's no limitation on how far you can send it and what seeds you can water it with. Um, Tim, thank you so much, man. I, I really, really love this conversation. Before we go, though, can you please tell me about your new book, The Power of 1440? Yeah, so I uh, wrote this book, The Power of 1440, and it's about how we steward our time every single day. And it's not really a time management book because we can't tell time to stop. We can't tell time to speed up. We can't tell, tell time to go or rewind. And so it's hard for us to manage what we cannot control, but we can steward it. And so this book is a journey of how we can steward our time, how we can steward our day and get the most out of it. And so this book was birthed out of pain. And my prayer is the pain that I have walked through and endured could be the wisdom someone else learns from my experience so that they don't have to go through the same thing that I did to get this idea of the power of 1440. Oh, thank you, Tim. And and where can people find you? Yeah, you can go to timtimberlake.tv uh, on, online, or you can go to T Timberlake if you're on Instagram, Tim Timberlake on Twitter. And uh, I, I love connecting with listeners. I love connecting with people. And so uh, shoot me a, a direct message or shoot me a tweet or go online. It has my booking information or contact information. I love to email and, and see how I can help. Hey, I'm grateful for you. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you, Kim. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a joy, man. Likewise, brother.